everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 90th episode of the podcast, airing the week of April 20th, 2020. Now, it has also come to my attention that this is the two-year anniversary of the podcast as well, so cheers to that. And thank you for all who have listened to me during, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Now, I'm delighted to bring to you my interview with Queens, New York professional astrologer, Mackenzie Greer of Mac and the Zodiac, and she's going to join me in a discussion on Taurus season 2020. And so Mac and I are going to break down this 30-day uh, Taurus season with all its astro action and how these transits may play into our current COVID-19 lockdown period that many of us are still experiencing. And let's just say all the action wasn't left for Aries season, so do know there is plenty in store for what is normally a stabilizing period of slowing down. Yet there are rewarding moments of breakthrough and movement to be had in the process. So we do hope you enjoy our chat. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is to, you know, sign up for my weekly Patreon exclusive forecast, audio cast that I do, that includes seven days of detailed astrology plus tarot polls and the Animal Ambassador of the Week. And then I now end the show with a segment uh, called Ask Mel, where either I answer patron questions or I riff on my own thoughts about the uh, energies of the week. And, uh, you know, I do encourage people to ask me anything. I love to teach and inform, and that's just part of my mission. Now, new episodes launch weekly on at Sunday at midnight Pacific time. So if you want to stay up to date with the macro and the micro of all the astrological energies and shifts that are definitely underway in these times, I'm here to help. So you can uh, sign up for as little as $5 per month to access the forecast, and then I have a higher tier if you'd like to get show notes uh, and the option to ask Mel. Now, even though I haven't been on my podcast much lately, you know, you can still find me on Patreon. I'm there every week and I'm staying up to date. So if you want to stay in the know and to help support these interview broadcasts, which you get early access to if you are part of the Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. You can also show appreciation by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar, which is on the front page of energeticprinciples.com, or if you'd like to book a personal consultation with yours truly, uh, all of that can be done on my site as well. So, all right, are you ready to hear more about this hearty Taurus season? I know I am, so here we go. Now, let's meet our guest. All right. I'm so happy to welcome this week, or this month, actually, since it's been a while for me. Our special guest is Mackenzie Greer. We're having a Mac attack today. Thank you for joining me, Mackenzie. Oh, Mac, your sound isn't on again. (laughs) God damn it. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Perfect way to start the broadcast. I love it. Um... Which is really funny because we're actually going to be talking about Sir Uranus energy <laughs> with this Taurus season, which is the subject of this uh, podcast that we are doing here. Um, so before we get in there, because we need to get in there because there's so much to say, we thought Aries season was packed. Well, you know what? Taurus season has plenty to offer as well. Um, so uh, Mac, we tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we get started? 
Absolutely. Hello, listeners. I'm Mackenzie Greer of Mac and the Zodiac. Unmuted and here and all of my, you know, well-being. I'm surviving this pandemic just like the rest of you. I don't have much to report in terms of who I am, but I'm just a practicing professional astrologer out of Queens, New York. I've been here before talking with uh, Mel about palmistry and astrology, so I'm excited to kind of dive into the full-on astral world with her and discuss this maddening Taurus season we are entering into. You thought Taurus season was going to be placid. It ain't. It ain't. <laughs> I know. We're like, what? let's talk about Taurus and some considerations there. And I'm, you know, because usually you're like, Taurus season, oh, we're going to finally stable out. We're going to settle oh, right. down. We're going to ground in. Hmm. Well, in maybe in some respects, but there'll be a lot more to that. Um, so yeah, so if you didn't check out, we did a fabulous episode. I think it was back in July of uh, 2019, if you want to check the back episodes, uh, where we talked about astrology and palmistry, because um, it's we both uh, found that we had that connection, how we both started actually with palmistry that kind of led to the astrology uh, interest there. And so, yes, listen to that episode. We had a great time um, and it was fun. Um, and I will note, uh, Mac, I didn't realize that uh, until I started to put this broadcast together, that um, this is actually the second year anniversary of the podcast. So, yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. So, I believe that was April 15th. Of course, this is going to come out to the public on the 20th, but, um, you know, hey. A little belated, a little belated. So uh, just shout out that I've made it two years oh, wow. here. It's <laughs> such a feat. It's such a feat. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I know I have been taking some time off because I've been teaching some courses, which are going great. Uh, and I plan to do more teaching in the future because I am really enjoying it. And I know there's so many people that want to learn and share and all that. Um, so look out for more of that in the future. Uh, but know that I'm finding my new speed with my broadcast because, um, you know, I've put a lot of content up there uh, in, in life. Quarantine life seems to just, you know, move you in different paths. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yeah. where am I going next? Um, well, <laughs> We'll see, but hang in there with me um, and I'll definitely continue to broadcast in different ways, shapes, and forms. But yay! So, Mac, Taurus season 2020. <sighs> let's, whew, well, let's just talk about Taurus energy first. You know, it, it, Taurus energy as Taurus energy, but also Taurus energy in context to this year situation. Right. You know, what, what would you have to, well, I mean, what comes to mind for you right away there? To me, it's so interesting that we're come, you know, we're winding down off of Aries season, which was so, I don't know, like kind of reflecting on this, I was like, wow, Aries season is so head and heart. Like you're just in this kind of frantic energy, right? Of just like survival mode with Aries season. And I felt like that really carried over into the present right now. It's just like this kind of like on the go, you know, this kind of courage and, and like this nonstop stimulation that we're all kind of experiencing on an energetic level. Mm. Um, I felt like that was very Aries. To me and now comes Taurus season, right? And it's kind of like, okay, well, how do we pump the brakes a little bit? Because Taurus always wants to slow things down and kind of stabilize. And I was kind of like, all right, well, maybe because it's a fixed sign, we're kind of get like into a fixed, a little normalized routine of being quarantined. Maybe, you know, we're going to stay the course. I think it'll help us kind of like, all right, let's just keep plodding away in that kind of way, you know? Um, but I do think that we kind of come down from the mental world of the head and the energetic levels there. We kind of like, oh yeah. I have a body again. Like, how do I treat my body with like enough respect and, and nurturance? You know, it seems very simple, but Taurus is so much about like the attainment of peace, right? It really is like 
how do I, how do I relax and just like whew, feel okay, even in the midst of all this kind of whirling stress? Mm, I'm getting tingled as you're saying that because it's, it's, you're so right. I mean, I mean, even just getting into the idea of the body or embodiment of what's going on here. Um, I mean, I, uh, this is uh, no fault of my own, but I mean, I haven't been outside and walking around and like kind of fresh air and some exercise in a couple of weeks, you know, and like, those are the types of things that are going to start to take a toll. I think in Taurus where we're trying to find that peace, we're trying to find that stability again. Um, and like you said, plodding along and keeping what we have to do until we get to kind of the okay. But on top of that, you know, um, those in authority that are trying to open back, you know, because we have, there's several states that are in the planning process, knowing that at some point we're going to have to start to stabilize the economy again. And that is very Taurus related, right? Um, But slowly, right? A slow release. What's the most important jobs? Who can, um, you know... Mm. Who's the one, you know, California is talking about that a lot um, because there's a lot of speculation that one of the reasons why our numbers are so low is because we've already gone through this thing uh, in back in, you know, December um, and uh, January and November, basically. And so we just didn't even know we were in a pandemic when we were. <laughs> um, and, and so finding ways to test people that to see if they've developed certain antibodies, you know, to see if they have in the system because then those people can start to get back to, you know, and so these are all, you know, slow, patient, testing, uh, the plan, you know, the big news with California is that we're, um, we we were called a nation state um, by our governor, which is fascinating to me. And then uh, Oregon and uh, Washington have teamed up uh, we're all teamed up in this basically West Coast pack, pack to uh, now work together to start to reopen things and and communicate with each other beyond you know because the virus knows no borders. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I think we're still staying in this with that Taurus energy, but there's a lot of movement trying to you know get that that stable flow and, and a peaceful situation with our economy and, and the reality of that that's coming for a lot of people. Um, so all, all these things, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was also thinking like with tourist season, it's like, it'll be a lot easier or I'm, I'm hoping it'll be like a lot easier to stay inside and just kind of Netflix and chill and enjoy the art of Netflixing and chilling once more since we've kind of beat it to death. <laughs> like yeah. the last half are kind of like, I need to get, I need to get out. You know, the Aries energy, it's so hard to be locked up in Aries season. Right. That's Taurus, the hardest spot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because you're just like, I want to go, I want to run, I want to blah, 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 I want to Mars, right? You want to like get active. But Taurus is kind of like, all right, how can I find the peace in just like just being or just sitting or just chewing on some delicious food? You know, like there's <laughs> that kind of washes over with Taurus and it's like, okay, we can go back to the art of like enjoying the couch once more and be like, okay. Well, and I love that not only in relation to Taurus, but one of the things that we're going to, you know, discuss more about this season is, you know, because when you think of Taurus, you're going to think of Venus. And one of the things that's important right now is that Venus is slowing down to retrograde in Gemini here, uh, a very social sign, a very on-the-go sign. And whenever a planet slows down, you know, it's basically getting stronger and stronger and it's got things on its mind or its heart and it's starting to reconsider. And and so there's a lot to unpack with this Taurus season, just knowing that the the uh, you know the ruler behind this sun position and this period is doing its own uh, unique um, you know movements uh, that are really going to color it uh, and why it might be even more slower 
uh, and like reconfiguring than most Taurus seasons because of Venus's movements there. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, I found it funny that the Taurus season is kind of ushering in like four different retrogrades. So it's yes. like really slowing things down, deepening the process. It's like, it's perfect. It's like, all right, four planets coming to a halt. All right, let's just like, we need to just kind of stabilize and slow down all around. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about that too is because when planets are coming to a halt, you know, they're, um, they're also not pushing forward their agenda as much anymore too. So we might get a lot of relief in some areas because of these stations happening. Uh, and so what Mag and I are going to do is uh, like some of the previous broadcasts I've done, we're just going to kind of go in order. We're going to paint some pictures. We're going to hopefully move along at a, a steady pace because there is so much to unpack here. Um, but uh, we're going to start with our ingress basically. So the we have the um, sun moving into Taurus on April 19th. Uh, now that will probably happen, you know, on the East Coast uh, in the morning of April 19th. And yeah, same with the Pacific Coast. And so Sunday, April 19th, ta-da, we're in Taurus season, which if you're listening to this broadcast uh, in the public, you it's already happened because you don't get it until the 20th. <laughs> but uh, we start things off um, and there's a couple things that happen in that kind of dark moon period before we get to the new moon. Because that's the thing that's been happening with these uh, last couple, um, you know, handful of seasons is that we the sun ingresses in, we start to get a taste of it. And it's really only a handful of days before we get to the new moon and we get to actually birth in that energy. Um, But there is that introspective period right when we get in there. And one of the first things to come about is going to be the sun uh, is going to square Saturn, who is now in Aquarius. And this has been new moves that have happened in Aries season. Uh, And so that's going to happen a couple days before we have our new moon uh, in Taurus that is essentially conjunct Uranus. So, I mean, the sun squares Saturn, especially in the, you know, that dark moon. Mackenzie, what, you know, what do you think? I don't know. 420. Oh, yeah. 420. That's kind of a a rough 420. I know. (laughs) Like a lot of weed. You're going to need some weed for this. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, But yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's, um, you know, Sun Saturn always to me, they're both like concerned with authority. So I'm wondering on like a global scale, how the authority Mm. is going to play out that day or what's going to happen with that. There's going to be some kind of clash, I would imagine. And with Saturn kind of, concerning the public with Aquarius, I'm wondering like, hmm, will there be like a little bit of a disturbance or like a misunderstanding or just a butting heads between, uh, you know, ideas of the leaders? <laughs> well, and, and it's people. interesting because we're going to have a moon in Aries that day too, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to tap into that Saturn too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, a, you know, that we could hear some kind of last words of Aries season come out from those in authority that are, you know, kind of putting forth the Saturnian plan, you know, okay, well, where is this new moon leading in a couple of days? What's the next, what's the Uranian hit basically? Uh, Cause that's kind of right. prepped there. Um, right. And emotionally, it's kind of like a low energy kind of day, right? It's kind of psychologically and physically physically kind of lethargic and a little heavy. I feel like sun Saturn aspects are always kind of hard for me. I'm assuming other people feel that too, but like, right. Like it just kind of smacks you and kind of can get you down pretty easily and can get you feeling really lonely and isolated. So I feel like people that are, you know, I'd encourage others to like try to reach out if you're feeling this like extra weight of isolation or if you're living alone in these kind of times, like 
the sun Saturdays, I feel like especially can make you feel like very like removed. So I try to like reach out, even though you may be feeling very kind of easily more downcast, I feel like on such a day. I don't know. How do you feel about that? concept or yeah i mean anytime the sun and and that's the thing is that the sun gives us that consciousness um it you know it's going to stimulate it it's a square of course it's going to push us and challenge us to realize but Mm -hmm. um if we can get through that the heaviness that you're speaking of because that's absolutely the truth is when saturn comes around there's more heaviness there's more weighty concerns um on the table but the sun is trying to illuminate us to what those are um, and have us take responsibility uh, for what the plan is going forward, or at least maybe find conscious acceptance uh, for what is, you know, where we're actually held back or experiencing obstacles. And especially during, you know, this dark moon period and the dark moon is in Aries. So it's kind of like what you were saying about the whole Aries season and being, you know, in this isolation or having to kind of like kick back basically when you're fired up. So there's something also about this introspective period with the heaviness of Saturn that's trying to, you know, light you up in some way. But there might mm-hmm. be a lot of underlying tension that's happening at this time too because then the, that lunar uh, energy is basically, you know, all mercurial, all Martian, like you said, you know, that, that mm-hmm. Aries behind the scenes. So, you know, it might be a little, the first couple days before, as we get into Taurus, you know, you're might going to feel that weight, um, but you can start to put a plan into place as to how you want to move forward from here too. So there's, there's blessings and curses. <laughs> well, I use not curses, but you know what I mean? Um, you just got to kind of get past it uh, and uh, honor the reality of what's going on too, because that's the thing too, is like if the sun's going to bring us a conscious hit, uh, Saturn is that reality. And so we might be looking reality straight in the eye. <laughs> right. Um, that, and like responsibility, personal responsibility, moral responsibility. I feel like sun Saturn not like brings up a lot of those themes as well, which are pretty core into this kind of whole story right now too. Of like, you yeah. know, and like knowing your knowing, how much gratification you give yourself and how much you know responsibility you put on other people and like kind of balancing your workload. I feel like those all kind of stir into the pot here a little bit. Well, the workload is a fascinating topic and really that's going to be something that's going to be on the whole Taurus season plate, I think, as you know, that, that solar spotlight is basically tapping into work and money and all and labor and all these things that have, you know, are need to be situated. And that might be part of that sun Saturn square is maybe authorities, like you were saying, kind of coming out and being like, okay, well, this is our economic plan or we're realizing that, or, or if you're having your own sun Saturn moment, you're like, oh my God, I am broke. How am I going to, what am I going to do? What's the plan? What's my future trajectory and strategy here? And that's very Saturn and Aquarius, you know, it's mental, um, you know, fixating the plan because you gotta, you gotta eat, you gotta, you know, live within the framework of the society we're in, uh, but also move within it because it's changed so much in drastically in the last couple months. Um, and so, yeah, so that it's probably going to be a little bit of that weighty, uh, kind of maybe like a breakdown break through. Like we, you know, it's a little bit of that both. So definitely in those first days, you know, like April 19th, uh, really through the the new moon that's going to happen on the 22nd there, uh, which is a Wednesday, you know, that, that whole period, just spend that time in introspection, get, get on with that Saturn, let, let it have its, you know, have its say. Um, because, by doing so, I think you're going to be setting yourself up by honoring the reality of the situation and then you can move forward from a place of power, which is always uh, useful. <laughs> um, 
So, all right, Mac, let's talk about this new moon. So, okay, so we went through our sun Saturn. We did it. Uh, and now we're going on to our new moon in Taurus, um, which happens April 22nd. Let me get my little chart up here. Uh, and that's going to be at 10.25 p.m. here on the, uh, actually on Mac time on Easter, <laughs> East Coast there, 7.25 p.m. for us Pacific Coasters. Um, and so... Mm, this is not your average new moon in Taurus. <laughs> All, it's, it's not. Um, well, in, so the main thing that's really going on here is the fact that, you know, the sun and the moon are meeting at three degrees of Taurus. So note if you have any plans, or plans there, Saturn's still on my mind. Note if you have any planets uh, in the early degrees of fixed signs, because you will uh, be stimulated uh, by this new moon. Um, but really, okay, so we're birthing in this Taurus consciousness, but near this Uranian principle. Thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, like, so our new moon really speaks about the month ahead and really into like more of a six-month cycle. But if we can think about it just concerning Taurus season, we, yeah. we know kind of how the next few weeks will play out via this new moon's configurations. So right with the new moon conjunct Uranus, it's like, okay, we know we're headed into a month um, that's like inviting a lot of change. And of course, it's also square Saturn. So there's this, again, this tension between like, we've got to break down the old structures and we have to maintain and hold on to the status quo of like, yeah. I mean, I hate to speak so governmentally all the time, but like, that's what we're living in. It's like, this is, this is what we're moving through, right? It's, so there's this, a structural pressure, I feel like that's changing. Mm. Um, and I feel like Saturn or Uranus, it's like, who's going to buckle? Who's going to break? Like, um, <laughs> to me, it's like a month ahead of just continual surprises, right? It's conjunct the Taurus, uh, Uranus and Taurus. So it's like, obviously the economic fluctuations are pretty, pretty present there. Yeah. Um, even agricultural, I'm concerned about like food and, mm. and the kind of whole grocery store situations. I'm like, I'm trying to be panicky. <laughs> you know? But no, that's interesting. You have a point there though, because I just read an article yesterday about uh, because of the way this is all going down and like certain staples in the, in the grocery store are just not available. But then you have farmers that have all this fresh produce that are literally having to throw it away because what of what, because we can't, access the freshness because we're trying to stockpile into our quarantine. And so you go down an aisle. I had this, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, why do I go down the pasta aisle? And there's not a single box of pasta. There's not, a, there's no sauce. And then I was like, well, half of that is for the quarantine probably because, you know, you can open this up at any time. It's fresh uh, or not right. fresh. It's not fresh. Actually. It's, it's just there and easy. And then I started thinking, right. I'm like, well, maybe it's like half people trying to stockpile it so they don't have to go to the store all the time. And half people that have eaten out their entire lives and are now having to fend for themselves basically <laughs> by cooking. Cause think about all the people and you might be one of those out there. If you're listening where you're like, I went out like five days a week to eat. That was my thing. And now you're asking me to cook right. at home. Well, yeah, of course all those boxed <laughs> rices are going to be gone and all the pasta is going to be easier. <laughs> yeah. But to go back to your point, you know, the, the farms are producing all these things and we're wasting all this food um, because of this. And so that could definitely come up um, with, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping it's, uh, I try not to be doom and gloomy, but you know, I, it's like symbolism is there that we're still deeply embedded in this tension structurally, like governmentally, globally. I don't think this is going anywhere, especially like I said earlier, like Taurus being a fixed sign. I think we're kind of just like, all right, locking in, keep keep going. Like, 
Um, and, the pub, and New Yorkers wanting to open, reopen like May 15th. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. May 15th. That's uh, well, day. <laughs> May 15th. That's funny because that's around the time Jupiter is going to station. Um, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll get to. That's well, interesting. and what's interesting about that too, because I saw uh, Lynn Bell had put on her um, Facebook page because Macron, because she lives in Paris, and she, Macron just put out, uh, you know, more word for the uh, the French people um, that they will. What do they say? They will be in lockdown until mid May. Um, but they will not open up any bars, any cafes, you know, and this is for the Parisian people, you know, the cafe and the restaurant, these are everything for for these people. It's like makes Paris, you know, any type of entertainment, community gatherings, all that until mid July. That's what he said, um, for, for that. Now, part of me, of course, I like my mind goes, my Uranian self is like, I wonder if that's because they just don't want the yellow jackets to come back. Because that's something you have to think about too within all this is there was a lot of uprisings happening before uh, we got into this space of, um, you know, bureaucratic lockdown, basically because of the virus and no judgment either way, because there's real things out there getting real people and it's affecting us. But it's just something interesting to think about when you put put all the pieces of humanity together and how these choices that we're making um, as a collective society uh, kind of open up some paths, but then kind of knock off other ones. And it's, that's fascinating to me. Right. Yeah, it's hard for us to stay stuck in the old ways, I feel like, with this new moon configuration. It feels like mm. me, there's just like the public's growing weary of outmoded systems and we're dealing with like so much unemployment and financial instability and uncertainty and stress and anxiety. Like I just think that something's gotta give and I don't I don't think this will be the month, but I think that this is definitely like an, an initiating kind of energy. What are what do you kind of uh, grasp from this new moon? Well, that's I I get where you're going with that for sure because I think that that Uranian principle is going to have to, is going to light us up individually, right? Because Uranus just as a planet is like it's all about freedom, liberation, you know, like let me out. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. feeling the fury within um, and I'm ready to, you know, just stretch myself a, a little bit. Um, but we need to know how far we can stretch ourselves. We need to know what new systems need, can be in place with that square to Saturn, basically, of how we can go about to be able to do that. Um, and I think it's going to take some out-of-the-box solutions and I'm hoping they're good ones. Uh, they, you know, because people have come up with those Uranian kind of light bulb moments, but we don't know if it's going to be a good one. You know, we just don't know yet. Uh, and it's so fascinating to me too, because when we go back to Venus's story, because basically at the new moon, Venus is around 15 degrees of Gemini. And, you know, she's basically been straddling this trine with Mars and Aquarius, a tight trine too, you know, where it's like a degree and a half basically at this point. But what's happening is that she, they're never going to get to flow in their air social signs. No, they're not. Venus right. is going There's to, no consummation. They're just they're, like flirting over hinge or something. Uh, yes. Yeah, and, you know, express our love, but they can't. It's so funny because, you know, that's one thing that's going on right now in the dating world is people are dating via Zoom. And I'm like, what? Right. You know, there's like air sign. It's air sign dating bill out there, but there's like, no physical earthy like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's something to be said about this new moon too, is there is that flow, but it never perfects and something's going to get in the way. 
It's going to go back backwards, you know, eventually to square. So that, it's so interesting. They ride in this trine for however long, but really that doesn't perfect. It's just, it's just going to move backwards to make a square instead from Gemini and Pisces. Um, so now that will take a little bit of time, of course, because Venus will be moving slow, especially during this Taurus season. Um, but... It's just something to think about. And especially as we're trying to get out there and we want to be free again, we want fresh air. <laughs> Give me fresh air. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so do know there is that, you know, that there is that instability component to this new moon, but we're already there. We're already unstable. We're, you know, so it's the, <laughs> don't let it get you too much because we're already at that point. And now we need to come up with, ingenious solutions uh, in steps forward. And as Max said, um, you know, plotting forward. Taurus is one foot in front of the other. You know, this Mm -hmm. is not rocket growth where everything's open and we're all just doing our thing. No, it's step by step by step by step. And patience is the key. Right. Exactly. So, all right. Well, now we had our new moon in Taurus on April 22nd on Wednesday. Mark your calendars. Um, and then the light begins to grow. So here we have, you know, because that's the thing we always have to remember with these uh, lunar um, seasons that we're talking about, that there an agenda has been seeded, right? Um, and so now the planetary action that is happening as the light grows will, you know, help carry this forward. And one of the first things that happens, and really what we should probably take into consideration with our new moon chart is the fact that Pluto is stationing retrograde on uh, April 25th, which is a Saturday. Um, So basically a couple things happen. Um, I'm going to list them all out and then we can kind of unpack that. But um, as the light grows and between that first quarter period, we have Pluto stationing retrograde on Saturday the 25th. The next day, the sun conjuncts Uranus. So the sun meets the Uranian point on uh, Sunday the 26th. Um, and then uh, basically Mercury. So Mercury's doing its own little dance. And we know when Mercury's doing some things, you know, word's going to get out. There's some communication. We're going to learn something. And so Mercury is going to square that sensitive Pluto-Jupiter uh, conjunction, basically that just happened a few weeks prior. Um, it's going to ingress into Taurus. And then it's going to make that square to Saturn to basically follow in the sun's place and what uh, Mac and I are just talking about. And that's going to happen uh, basically basically from the 24th of April through the 28th. So all, so while Pluto's stationing, while the sun is conjuncting Uranus, we have Mercury that's like, here's the Jupiter-Pluto. What's going on? Oh, now I'm in Taurus. Oh, I'm squaring Saturn. And so that really just goes into everything we've just been saying, <laughs> doesn't it? Right. I feel like it, like Mercury's movements there are just going to like flesh out a lot of this information even further. You know, it's just like to me, Mercury making all these aspects is just going to be like things in the news, Mercury, Pluto, especially Mercury, Pluto, Jupiter. It's like, whoa, maybe unlocking like a lot of important or hidden news or like some new information mm-hmm. or even some startling information. Um, and then it moves into Taurus. And it's, that's when it squares Saturn. Okay. Yeah, so Mercury and Taurus. I feel like that's going to be. I'm curious what you think about that because I feel like the Mercury and Aries energy was like kind of helping us still vocalize. But I'm curious, like, what happens here when Mercury moves into Taurus and slows things down with that square to Saturn? I, mean, I know with the square to Saturn, and especially because basically what happens is the Sun can. So Mercury's going to square that Pluto Jupiter energy uh, and give us a message from what that conjunction looks like. Then the Sun's going to conjunct Uranus, and then 
as basically Mercury sits on the 29th degree of Aries. So as the Uranian like surprise, this is what's going to happen, or this is the agenda that we're talking about, Mercury sitting on this tested degree of Aries basically at the same time. Um, and let me just look at, uh, let's see where... And it's interesting too, because that around that time, um, that's when the moon's going to be in Gemini too. So here we have a moon that's also behind Mercury's, what Mercury has to share. And so you can bet, I think through the weekend, uh, like basically that 20, April 24th through the 27th, through that Monday, uh, we're going to hear things come out about uh, what the next steps in these plans are. Uh, and maybe that's part of the ingress into Taurus is that now those messages are, you know, stabilizing what what needs to happen nice. here rather than a lot of speculation, a lot of like getting through, you know, like the message right. is going to be, especially as it's square Saturn, it's like, okay, well, here's what we're doing. This is a plan and there's really no maneuvering around it either. Right. And no it's, room. They, there's, <laughs> there's no wiggle room, especially because Venus is slowing down too, because, you know, that's who Mercury is going to be looking towards. And so there's going to be mm-hmm. probably that tension, um, uh, maybe on the, especially on that Monday, um, as word hits hits the ground, especially probably early in the morning, because um, the the moon's helping that along, and so definitely April twenty seventh, check the news. We might see uh, the new agenda coming out from those people in power, because like you said earlier, Saturn is that authority, um, and now Mercury has a message from uh, <laughs> from what the plan is. What is the plan? Right. It's all squares though. It's like square Pluto, Jupiter, square Saturn. It's like, are we going to love the plan? Are we ready to go back to work? Like, are we happy about that? Mm, potentially, yeah. potentially not. Uh, well, I know a lot of people are I, not going to rush back to work like, and put everyone's lives at risk. Exactly. And do I put everyone, that's the thing too. And that's the thing we have to think about with squares and as Mercury experiences these squares is because these are two energies that are working at cross purposes. It's not anybody's fault. Like some people might want to go back to work because they need to feed their family. Another person might not want to go back to work because they don't want to get sick or they uh, feel they're going to get someone else sick. And all these points are totally valid and nobody's Mm -hmm. right. You know, there's nobody's right or wrong. It it is what it is. And uh, that's when the understanding has to come in uh, for, you know, the plight of other people, because it's, there's just, you know, there's no right way. And, and when there's no right way, there's frustration, there's challenge, there's friction, there's tension, and there's blame. You know, I see people pointing fingers all over the place. Like, this is what you should be doing or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you just cool your jets because, you know, it's a hard situation. There's like, there's no right answer here. Um, and we're all just trying to figure it out and work together and hope that we have the leadership in place that can facilitate that. Um, and that's, that's part of that too. So put Pluto in there. So here we have Mercury mm-hmm. at the tail end of Aries. Uh, giving us a message from a station in Pluto. Right. And Pluto, right, fundamentally just stirs up our fear of death and it like gets us it really, and when it's direct, I feel like it's just kind of very high energy, high activity. There's like a lot of actual anxiety and like changes that have been happening in like a very active environment, I feel like when Pluto is direct. So I think when Pluto goes retrograde, it's going to be kind of like, we become a little bit more, you know, 
malleable in a sense. And we're more kind of seeping back into the unconscious and kind of doing this descent a little bit even deeper. But I think it's one of those descents that's going to be kind of, um, like you said, like a relief a little bit more because I feel like Pluto direct is like, okay, let's get Pluto going, right? It's like fanning the flames of Plutonian energy. But when it's retrograding, it's going to be kind of like, okay, how can we process this a little bit more in kind of just a deeper, more unconscious sense um, and adapt in our own way? I'm hoping that that can kind of pump the brakes actually a little bit on the anxiety, but I know it is Pluto in- intensifying in a lot of ways, mm. but I also think when Pluto's direct, it's kind of like, whoa, dude, re- relax for a sec. Hold on. Yeah. There's so much Pluto in this whole year that it's like, I well, kind shit. of a little open-minded to the retrograde. Yeah. As am I. Cause it's like, it's like forward moving, change, 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 change. And now here we have, here we have the retrograde. That's like, okay, well now we need to internalize what's happened. Now we need right. to like process, like process what's going on here. Um, and so that is part of it. And so what's interesting as you were talking, Mac, what I was thinking with, um, Mercury squaring that stationing Pluto is that because Pluto brings up power and control too. And here we have Pluto and Capricorn. So we might get that message that comes out from authority that is actually, uh, you know, putting out some sort of power play or kind of control over the situation that is actually going to play out during the retrograde. And we might mm-hmm. be under whatever that order is or that message is until then Pluto stations uh, and goes direct, which of course I don't have that in front of me right now. I'm, where's my yeah, ephemeris? <laughs> but let's just say five months or so we're in there. Um, and so that, you know, Perhaps this is all speculation, but you know, when just, so just know that, you know, around, uh, that period of, you know, April 25th, which is really the, this coming weekend when this airs, um, basically the 23rd through the 27th, there's just going to be extra Pluto in the air. And we may feel like a old part of us is dying and new parts being born. We don't know where we stand. We don't have an internalize the changes from the external. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah, it's an intense atmosphere. <laughs> a retrograde, I feel like Pluto's retrograde can be like, whoa. Uh, or sometimes a Saturn retrograde, I can kind of be like, I didn't, I didn't even notice it. But like a Pluto retrograde can be like, hold on, the earth shaketh. You know, it's like, let me just <laughs> take Just take it easy. Like, you know, don't get super wrapped up in your, don't like get, you can like observe your feelings, but don't let them just like, absorb you fully, you know, like feel, feel your feels. You're going to, you're going to have to, to like survive this thing. But you know, I feel like Pluto stations can be quite rattling at times. Mm, yeah. And especially if you have planets right now at, uh, not right now, I, you were born with them, but if you have planets at and Cardinal signs, you know, around, uh, you know, 27, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, about 20, 23 to 25 degrees, give or take. Oh, I mean, Jupiter in there, you can extend that even farther. Um, mm. You're going to feel this more than most, but I think we're all going to feel it just because of the state of the world we're in right now. Um, and so, yeah, like Max said, you got to go through. That's the thing with Pluto. It's a rabbit hole. You got to go through. You get the nugget on the other side. You get the treasure when you go through the underworld journey. So whatever is pulling you down at that this weekend, basically. Um, Go with it. Sit with it. Look at the dark. Shine the light in it, right? Um, Because that's that's actually the blessing with the sun conjunct Uranus is that 
we can look at this in a new way. We can look at our old routines um, and maybe start romanticizing them so much with the change, you know, because it's easy to romanticize how like, oh, my life used to be like this and this. Well, maybe there's a better life that way. It's maybe that's part of the power and the control is like releasing the old structures and the agendas of that Capricorn way because something new and better awaits. Um, But we are going to need a different framework and maybe that Aries Mercury with its hopeful, its courage is like, all right, well, all right. So I, I just, I'm going to do it or I'm going to look at it this way, or I'm going to begin anew with my approach to this. So that's maybe some positive ways that we can look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote this a uh, great quote down that it was in Aaron Sullivan's book on like, uh, retrograde planets. I thought oh, it was really good. Book. Retrograde, which it's, um, from the Enid by Virgil. I don't know how to say that. Enid? Enid? questions. But it's the descent is easy, but to recall your steps and ascend again to the upper world, that is the work, that is the task. And that's in regard to Pluto retrograde. Um, So it's like, you know, slipping down the rabbit hole is easy. You're kind of like, whoa, you know, like you're going down. Um, But crawling back up when Pluto stations direct in, you know, approximately five months or so, that's going to be like when we're kind of like, okay, got to remember step-by-step how I'm getting back up here. What am I going to reform when I get to the top? Like, what do I know now? Um, So let this be I'm hoping it can be a little bit more of a, just like a a Pluto that's digestible and kind of refrains from the intense anxiety we've all been experiencing on just like a very primal level. Yeah. Yeah. We can get the purification force out of it rather than the, you know, like just all the muck and the things that we don't want and like the fear and the, you know, all that through it. Um, But that's so true. Wait, what? Because it's so easy to fall down the rabbit hole, right? When you descend into something, it's a slide. It's a downward slope. It's the roller coaster going down. But, and this this applies also when you're going through Pluto transits, because been through some, I'll tell you from experience, is that the, it's not really the Plutonian journey that's the hardest part. It is the emergence and re-emerging. And that's when a planet goes uh, stationary um, direct, which... Pluto will do in how many months time, as Max says, that is the point of emergence, basically. So I think that's an astute observation. Um, and we were, we're probably going to need this time to go on that journey um, to prepare us for basically what's next at that point. So really everything we're talking about here is as the light begins to grow in this Taurus season off this new moon, these are kind of the things we're going to be feeling at first. Uh, and it's really all leading us to, uh, I think, an epiphany of some sort with a first quarter moon at 10 degrees of Leo on April 30th, uh, which is going to be a Thursday. But that's the same day that Mercury conjuncts Uranus. So we push forward in the lunar season. You know, it's activated. We're energized. Our hearts are all lit up with that Leo energy. You know, there's fire in the air. And then Mercury conjuncts Uranus to be like, all right, light bulb moment you know, surprise message. Uh, here's this thing, you know, so I think it's going to be a pretty dynamic first quarter. Um, and it's on my Mercury, nonetheless, as Mercury can talk to Uranus too, that first quarter. Of course it is. Of course. Um, but what do you think? What do you think, Max? What first quarter in Leo, Mercury, Uranus? I don't know. I mean, Right. So the first quarter moon having to be like, as Dane Rudyard puts it, like a crisis in action. I feel like this is going to be one of those very dynamic, <laughs> where 
where it's kind of like, okay, what's got to give? Something's got to change. The Mercury Uranus symbolism coming through with like breakthrough ideas, um, breakthrough conversations, like even rebellious conversations in your personal life on a global scale. There has to be some kind of action taken. Um, like some something's got to change. I feel like a lot at first quarter moons. Uh, I don't know if anyone else experiences is that, but I'm kind of just like every single time there is one, I'm kind of like, ugh. You know, there's this kind of grinding between that square of the sun. Yeah. So I think Mercury Uranus holds the key, though, to kind of unlocking what that action may be um, and kind of standing fearlessly in a kind of a Leo moon kind of sense to speak your truth. You know, let Mercury Uranus do the talking for you. Yeah, because there is a lot of courage behind that, right? There is, and then these are fixed signs that are pushing forward too. And so not only is it courage, but it's courage to maybe stabilize something or like, this is what we're rooting down. This is what's going forth. And I think whatever is happening with that Mercury square to both Pluto um, and Jupiter, I think we get some understanding or a settling down of the mind or the message that we need um, to kind of break through and understand maybe part of this lunar cycle that's developing um, as, you know, because the sun's already been there, right? So that's the thing. It's like when the sun has already reached a point, Mercury's in part of its cycle where it's coming up to then... Um, you know, understand it and process it. So we might become aware of something while the sun conjuncted and we and Mercury was squaring. But now Mercury is like, I get it. I get what we we're trying to get to the mm-hmm. whole time. Maybe that causes tension in my life. Maybe I have to step up to the plate and get that courageous Leo energy behind me. And I feel you, Mac. Like, and, and that because both Mac and I are Cancers, number one. So I'm sure anytime the moon's doing anything of, of a square or opposition nature. We're like, ah, I feel it. <laughs> um, but it is, it's true. We are pushing forward, but there's always that tension there and there's that dynamic. So I'm, I want to say maybe it's just blatant optimism of my Mercury Leo. I'm like, I want to say it's good. I want to I feel like we're turning some page and at least we understand something, whatever that is, or can get that piece through new awareness. I love that. Yeah, I feel like Mercury can can correlate, can bring the message from Saturn, it can bring the message from Uranus here. It can help move things forward and speak the truth and think that, think of these kind of new revolutionary ideas. I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping that that can be what that represents. I'm really hoping too, because <laughs> we're all hoping here. We're all hoping here, but we know when anything Uranus is conjuncted there is going to probably be some element of surprise, some element of liberation, some sort of instability component, but instability can lead to breakthrough too. So just, you know, put Thursday, the 30th of April in your hat um, and see, see what comes up. Really, I think a good exercise, especially when, if you have a lot of time on your hands and you're stirring in your thoughts and your emotions and all that, that, that whole week um, basically ever since the new moon until Mercury hits Uranus, it would be great time to journal and get your thoughts down on paper and and watch your process and just be honest with yourself as you go through each thing and then see what breaks through maybe on that Thursday as you kind of write like... I've, and then you can, because when you go back and you read what you've been through and you're honest with yourself on the page, there's so much clarity that can come through just watching your process unfold. So uh, yeah, just action item <laughs> Great. there. 
So, all right. So we have this first quarter, we're pushing forward. Um, and then we are basically setting us up to Mercury's next move. Um, so we have two things uh, happening, actually three things that are happening between uh, May 3rd and 4th, um, which let me turn my calendar here. That's going to be a Sunday and a Monday. Um, and so we have basically the sun is going to conjunct Mercury or Mercury conjuncts the sun basically uh, in that superior conjunction. So we know Mercury just squared Pluto and Jupiter. It squared Saturn, went through this hard spot. It got awakened with Uranus. And now it's like, I'm meeting the sun. Um, But also Venus is squaring Neptune that day. Uh, And then the next and basically the nodal axis moves into Gemini and Sagittarius, which is big news um, on the global scale in these longer cycles in, in light. So, whew, where do we begin with, <laughs> with that? I love your kind of imagery of like Mercury, like on all these missions, he's like, I'm going to Jupiter, I'm going to Pluto, I'm going to Uranus. And now it's like he's meeting with the sun on their throne, right? They're sharing the throne, they're kind of sharing this message together, kind of being like, okay, here's what I've learned. This is like, what's the truth or what's not, or, you know, like factually what's happening here and sitting with the sun to be like, okay, let's just kind of incubate these ideas. You know, maybe this can help repurpose the mission that we're headed on. I'm, I feel good about this superior conjunction. Um, and that would be uh, Mercury turning into an evening star then, right? Uh, um, on the as, well, it will be, com- be combust for, for some time. Right. But yes, it, it is starting that evening star um, journey for sure. Right. Wow. So even Mercury as an evening star kind of reflects the, all these kind of different retrogrades really interestingly and like just how penetratingly insightful and reflective a lot of these big planets you know, between Venus, Jupiter, all these kind of planets we've been talking about that are going retrograde. Like Mercury in his nighttime phase, I feel like it's very, it's like when he's dipping into the underworld, right? He's like kind of more unconsciously like stirring around in there being like, okay, since he's always like jumping up and down between like conscious light of day and then nighttime unconscious, it's his job, it's what he does. So I feel like Mercury in this evening star position might be really interesting as well to kind of like help us kind of ruminate and go a little deeper and kind of move through some murkier, I don't know, subconsciously charged territory. Well, and Lord knows he'll have a lot to think about after the journey just went on, right? <laughs> and he yeah. reaches the awareness of the sun and he sits in the heart of the king and he's like, oh, all right, I get it. I'm going to have to sit with this for a second. At the same time, you know, that uh, that Venus is going to square Neptune. So here we have the slowing down Venus that is getting very close to her station. She's, you know, about a week out. Um, and she is a little confused. She might be a little uncertain. She might have some doubts. There is, you know, of in this kind of social Gemini space. Um, and, you know, because she is our, pro- our planet of relationships and connections or trying to find harmony, which is interesting because on this day, Mac, we have uh, the moon in Libra. Um, so we have the moon that is pushing um, some of that Venus-Neptune uh, action. And so... It, that that could be a romantically, you know, your mind might just be on romance and what that looked like before the pandemic. Now, <laughs> um, 
but there's there, I don't know when Venus and Neptune come together and they're going to dance a couple times. And so there's something important about this, this first pass on May 4th, especially as the moon is in Libra around relationships. So any, any thoughts on that? I'm very intrigued by her continual square with Neptune. Like she keeps coming back to square Neptune. I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. What's, what is this story here? Like this whole other segment, right? Like, and since we're in Taurus season and we're looking to Venus for kind of guidance in general, um, you know, knowing that she's going to square Neptune, it's kind of like there is that level of disillusionment. There is that level of confusion. And at the same time, there's this kind of reaching for Nirvana. There's this kind of searching, this questing into the unknown, really. Um, she's not so sure about it. It's, you know, it's, it's mental, rational Venus and Gemini up against Neptune, blissed out, LSD, tripping, Neptune, Pisces. <laughs> I'm like, what information is real, you know, but it's information from the heart. It's information. It's not mercurial, rational information. It's like information on my relationship, information on my values, which are all these kind of prime Taurus topics anyway. It's kind of, they're all undergoing this, like, what do I need? What, what do I, you know, between all the smoke and mirrors, like, what's the truth um, of my state of, you know, of my values of how, how I feel about things and my nourish. And I feel like this whole, you know, Venus and retrograde that we're going to be talking about pretty soon is like, going to have a lot to do with this kind of Venus Neptune square that it's going to be kind of illuminating at the same time that it's kind of disorienting. Mm, I think you're absolutely right about that. And it's so interesting to think about because here we had Venus just, you know, riding riding the the wind with Mars in Aquarius in this trine, but by the time we get to this point, their trine is getting more separate. They're 4 degrees apart now. And so what was like so sure and kind of riding and like I'm on board with Mars, we're going this way and then all of a sudden it's like wait where are you? You're getting in the distance. And now I have <laughs> Neptune. What does this mean? You know? And so that, that's a, a fascinating um, point uh, of how that clarity of the air starts to you know, mm-hmm. dissipate and the fog rolls in of Neptune. But like you said, I think that because this is the first pass, and the first pass can always be the most challenging because we become aware of something. And sometimes we become aware of our doubts. You know, that might be part of it or the uncertainty there and having to walk through that. Um, but there's also spiritual content there. Um, and you might not know and you've got to go with more of your intuition and what's happening there within reason, you know, because that's the thing, like you said, Mac, like the, I mean, Venus and Gemini, this whole the relationship dynamic, the value dynamic, finding your harmony. This is all a mental process going on. Mm -hmm. We're thinking it through. How do we, we're playing two sides of the coin. We're like, what is it? This, 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 this. And so you can see how doubt and uncertainty can just float in very easily. If you're ping ponging on either side, especially during a Libra moon where, you know, you're already in a state of possible indecision. And so just knowing like that May 4th, Monday, May 4th, and kind of the days that surround it, especially while the moon is in Libra, um, we might get a clear, more clarity on it uh, as a couple days go by um, on maybe around uh, May 6th, May 7th, because then the moon at that time will then try Neptune and we might get another intuitive hit of like what that really meant uh, as we got out of our mind. Um, so, you know, have some patience at that time, but it can get a little hazy uh, on, on May 4th, that Monday, for sure. I think everything's riding on communication at that point. It's like, there's just, you just got to be honest. You've got to be direct. You've got to be willing to just like do the work and be authentic in your kind of in who you're talking to. Like yeah. I, to me, Venus Neptune in with this kind of 
in this note, in this like Gemini Pisces world, it's just got to be as clear as it possibly can while just like being true to its true its statement, you know? Yeah. Like, and having faith, right? Because that's another thing with Neptune too, is maybe you do have something to say. Maybe you got to get something out. Um, but maybe, you know, you got to have hope and faith that it's going to be received or, you know, you're going to be understood or even if you're not understood in this moment as you share, that you have faith that it will work itself out as Venus goes through this retrograde process. So, you know, these are all, and that's why Neptune can be such a difficult planet for people to really grasp because of its inability to grasp what, you know, it is. So, so just know it gets a little hairy there, but as this is happening, we're having this whole shift of the nodal axis that's been in Cancer and Capricorn for the last 18 months, basically, is now moving, um, you know, as we got locked down in our homes and the government is falling apart. You know, you can't make this stuff up like all the... uh, I've been freaking out about the nodes lately. I'm like, hello, does anyone else see like how intense this South Node in Cancer and like North Node in Capricorn is? Yeah. I'm banging on doors. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting uh, is that at least here in the U.S., when we went down on lockdown and all this started to unfold in the pandemic, the North Node was exactly um, at the point it was, uh, the last time it was there was on 9-11 when... um, when we had the, the world trade, you know, our, our our American crisis on our soil, our first American crisis on our soil, basically. And so here we're having the second one. And of course that lines up with the United States chart. We have Jupiter and Venus conjunct at like three degrees of cancer, five degrees of cancer. So there is a tie to the chart of the United States, but it's interesting to see that we're back into this state of, um, of, crisis and insecurity um, and being, you know, even locked in your homes. Like the thing, cause I mean, during nine, I mean, I didn't live in New York, but I was afraid to go outside of my house when I saw that happen. I mean, I lived in a flight path and every, every plane that would go over, I just have like crazy anxiety and it, I didn't want to interact with the world. And so it's interesting to watch these, you know, repeat themes that happen every 18 and a half years, basically come, come back around. Um, but so here we have it. We're moving into uh, Gemini and Sagittarius, which is actually, you know, as far as dignity is concerned, they have um, the, the nodes actually like to be in this zone. So there, we got that going for us. But I, you know, this speaks to me of us now really wanting some sort of freedom or movement, or, you know, I think that the pressure is going to be on once this nodal access moves, and then we're going to be leading into eclipses that are going to be happening to June. Um, but Mac, what are your thoughts? What do you got? Oh my God. I don't know. Like it's to me, it's like, it's really interesting to watch the transition out of Cancer Capricorn into Gemini Sag and like the Cancer Capricorn axis being so fear-based, even like talking about leaving, afraid of leaving your home recently and like how that's kind of similar now. Um, And like the intense drive on home lately, right? Like just needing to like reestablish your sense of foundation with who you are, your, your family. You're like, what are you living to do? Are you, are you living to work? Are you working to live? The cancer Capricorn questions, right? So then now we're moving into like this more, now that we've kind of grappled with these concepts, we're moving into this like new headspace, right? Which Gemini said is all headspace. Uh, (laughs) It's like, right. Okay. Like, well, what's my philosophy on life? Like, what do I know? What is true to me? Like, what is my spirituality? Where is like all of these kind of questions about the truth come up mm-hmm. in a big way too, which I think will be really interesting, especially in the era of fake news. The Gemini Sagittarius axis really intrigues me in that regard. 
Oh, I like that. That is, yes. I haven't even really thought about it like that. That is so true. Because, yeah, we're moving into uh, increased focus in eclipses around information and facts and and belief and what, you know, a a lot of existential questions will probably continue to come up as we move through this period. And that might be one of the biggest shifts. It's like, okay, well, I've just spent all this time uh, with my security consciousness. You know, how am I going to make it in, in in this world? How am I going to protect my family? How am I going to get through this job crisis. And now it's like, it's going to move and we're like, all right, well, I already know that I have those problems, but where, what do I believe is next for me? What are, what's the facts behind this? Who's telling the truth? What, you know, like as spiritually, like what am I called to journey towards? Because that's the thing too. And especially as the South Node moves through Sagittarius and our journeys start to change, you know, our journeys were one thing before. And then, especially if you have planets in Sagittarius, it's probably going to drop off some of that previous uh, quest to then uh, entertain new knowledge um, to then, you know, start your next chapter of what that might be. And of course, we're going to have 18 months of this, you know, it's, it's going to be a slow release, but just that shift, I'm really curious to see, um, you know, around Monday, May 4th, especially as Venus squares Neptune, Sun conjuncts Mercury, we, there's some sort of turning of the page, but there's also uncertainty that is there. So it's like clarity, uncertainty, movement, but I'm at home. And it's storytelling. It's so story to me. Gemini and Sag is so right. Like communication, we all know that. But it's like this, there's a story being told. Like that's so clearly active. My Mercury Sun conjunction, even Venus Neptune has a story. The Sag Gemini. It's like what, what is the story right now? Like what, oh, what is I, your narrative? I love that Mac, and I'll tell you why. Because well. <laughs> My Mars and Gemini will tell you why. <laughs> that uh, okay. So I was listening to I love the Fortune Wheelhouse podcast. Love those ladies. Um, and uh, Mel Moline was saying in the most recent podcast, she was talking about the the idea that every thought that we've ever had as humanity, you know, at any point in time, not just people who are living, but anybody that has lived, it creates this collective thought bank, this collective imagination. And essentially, if we are co-creating our realities at any given moment, at all given moments, and we're doing this together, what story, what narrative are we putting forth into the collective conscious to be able that that's going to unravel what we see as fact and reality um, and what we know? And so when you turn on the news and all you see is fear and death and negativity and just everything that is wrong with the world and how we're trapped and how we're, you know, just all these different things. It's like, what do these messages serve? What does this story serve? And how is that affecting the collective cycle um, and our quality of living when we perpetuate um, certain messages of of fear and anxiety and, you know, um, so... I, yeah, that's where my mind went with that and, and yeah. why there might be some existential crises around that and why it's important to uh, switch your mind to you know a more positive framework, um, turn off the news when it's not giving you anything of value. It's just perpetuating uh, you know, more fear and you know so anyways, that's my that yes. might be one of the first steps as, as the sun conjuncts Mercury and Taurus because they're, they're like the sun and Mercury are like, can we? Can we just get some peace in this house? Can I get some peace? Can I get the simple things? Can I get just some quiet of the mind? Uh, because right. I need it. <laughs> right. 
And then so, the Gemini Sag axis is just like, wait, nope, nope, inf- information, information, information. You got to like really tone it. Down. I feel like a lot more awareness is going to come in around like news intake. Like, are you finding that right balance between that um, and like distance from your phone, distance from even social media? I feel like Venus in Gemini's retrograde has some kind of social media connotation. I'm, I'm curious to like see what that all winds up mm. representing. But I feel like there's so much, we're intaking so much constantly. Just like you're saying, like we're painting, we're building our own narrative from what we learn, from what we hear, from what we feel. And it's like, maybe we can redefine that in some new capacity. Mm, yes. Yes. Hopefully. But you know what, what's going to happen is it's going to be 18 months. We're going to have eclipses come in starting in June that are going to be activating this. And we know that these are signs, these are mutable signs. These are signs of uh, movement um, and, and maybe even closing some deals in life to open up new ones. You know, there's a transition space. And so I think we'll be craving movement. And as these eclipses start to happen, a lot of people's lives, as we get out from under the pandemic, and I don't think we're going to be here forever. It'll feel like forever. Don't get me wrong there, but we won't be here forever. Um, and I think we're going to see even more, more movement um, and just understanding of our, our lives and our stories and our narratives um, moving forward. So I think this is going to be good as, you know, everything has either side, life is a duality, but um, take note of how you feel in the early, you know, the early days of May, May 4th and on, give or take a couple days, especially up to the full moon, because that's where we're leading up to here at 17 degrees of Scorpio, uh, which is going to happen May 7th which is a Thursday, a Thursday on Thursday. Um, What's going on with the Scorpio moon? I haven't taken Well, it's right on my ascendant, descendant axis. I'm like, oh, oh, this this lunar cycle is definitely lined up with my chart. That's for sure. So I know it's going to be a (laughs) dynamic cycle for me. Um, But so what do we have going on here? We have uh, the moon basically at 17 degrees of Scorpio. Um, you know, we're getting, we're getting lit up by the Scorpio Taurus polarity. So, you know, number one, there's going to be some intense feelings on going on, (laughs) I think. Um, and especially as Mercury. Okay. So I'm painting, I'm painting the picture to, for you to do your brush stroke here, (laughs) um, is that, so here we have Mercury is separated from the sun, right? Um, and is now making a sextile to Neptune, which we know mm-hmm. Venus just had her own, like, uh, and what's going on here? So I think there's some clarity aspect, maybe, or something we're going to get that Neptune message is that's going to help mm-hmm. out there. Um, but I mean, that's kind of the way that it's lining up. Uh, that, those are kind of like the big things. And of course, the moon is trining Neptune too. So basically, we have Neptune and Mercury, and then we have the moon and Neptune, and then the tension of the opposition. So thoughts mm-hmm. Scorpio full moon Mac mm-hmm. let's see I mean I feel like it's, it's I love this polarity I don't know about you well, you must because you're I have to I got no choice <laughs> but it's just like it's the tangible versus the transcendental to me it like really pulls you out and deepens your whole emotional experience when the moon the full moon in Scorpio right it's like there everything's on the table everything's honest you got to be straight up about your own truth. Again, it comes back to that kind of idea of narrative with Mercury, Neptune, and, you know, honest, just like open spirituality, open openness to yourself and compassion with the moon, Neptune, trying, I think as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like this, like you said, it's like a lot of deep emotional stirring, but it's also kind of like 
just a new awareness around relationship, around sensuality, around authenticity. I feel like the moon in Scorpio is very raw and very mm-hmm. just like open to revealing itself in kind of a new capacity. Um, so kind of playing between those two worlds of like, you know, the physical, tangible element of the Taurus new moon that we're living off of and kind of, you know, what's unfolded over the last two weeks of that new moon conjunct Uranus square Saturn, kind of like all the breakthroughs we've been doing, the breaking down of old structures. And then like, okay, let's have the honest approach. Let's have the, the my, you know, my ugly truth covered in blood and tears and sweat, like, like, let me just Scorpio moon to you. Um, let me just let you like know where I'm at and share, just like share that. I feel like there's something so valuable in sharing some like full moon Scorpio energy with other people because it's just like such a mm, gritty, delicious prime. I'm like, I love Scorpio stuff. So I'm always like, yeah, give me your gritty primal <laughs> fucking story. Like lay it on me. Like, what are your feelings? You know, like, yeah. So it's such an opposite of Taurus where it's like, let's just keep it chill. Let's keep it, keep it together. Keep it going. And Taurus is like, Scorpio just rips the bandaid off, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Cause it's an intense day, but I just, I love it. I, <laughs> I think you're so right about all that because here's the thing is that if you recall back to um, the, the Libra full moon that happened on April 7th and then the following days, um, of that we had the moon in Scorpio last. And so what's happening is that the moon in Scorpio, um, and and that's going to happen as this, we get to the full moon on May 7th in Scorpio, is that we have the moon transferring light from a square to Saturn to the opposition with Uranus before we get to this full moon. So here we have all, you know, Venus is talking to Neptune. Mercury's talking to Neptune. Things might be hazy. We're getting these spiritual impulses. Uh, we're letting down boundaries, right? Uh, and, and Scorpio is about boundaries, but also when we need to get to the nitty gritty, like you're saying, and bear our soul to some extent, mm. the boundaries have to be removed. And so we're going to be getting a, a strong look at our boundaries as the moon squares Saturn and then opposes Uranus. So we're going to get a real, uh, we're going to get an intense reality hit. I think that's going to, you know, kind of bring in a little bit of kind of like shock and awe to some of the Neptune that might've been speculative, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're going to get that dose of reality with the square to the Saturn. We're going to get that aha moment or that disruption or the surprise with the opposition to Uranus, which, you know, don't discount that because when any energy is moving towards a full moon, like the last like day up to the full moon is like the hottest and the driest and the most pushing and the like surprise, this is on the scene. So it's probably going to be the Wednesday before that or just Wednesday, Thursday as that moon moves in that place, you know, in Scorpio and challenges these tougher planets, but then to release through Neptune. Um, we are, we're, we're going, we're climbing back up the roller coaster to then hit the descent. Like you said earlier with, with the Pluto action, uh, because even before that, the moon in Libra is going to square, you know, Jupiter and Pluto. So they're, the way the planets are lined up right now, we're like, all right, tension with Pluto, tension with Jupiter, tension with Saturn, tension with Uranus and release right. with Neptune. <laughs> it's back to back to back. It's almost like relentless. So you just like have to keep moving. You have to keep being authentic to yourself and your emotions and your feeling and like just everything. And I feel like that Scorpio moon does that very well. It's like, Hey, emotional check here. Are you doing it? Like, are you being honest? Do you need to cry? Do you need to scream? Go do it. 
like let it out like the truth comes out <laughs> the yeah. truth because you can you're going to be bursting at the seams and there's just going to no no way because basically the last aspect um i'm pretty sure is going to be um an opposition to uranus so really the last thing the moon does before it gets to that full moon position is going to give you you know the the quake and the volcano the furies mm-hmm the you know, something stirring so there's permission i feel like to just be disrupt to disrupt to erupt to allow change to allow like that just utter shaking that uranus can bring exactly because what's interesting about this is that then um you know then the moon goes on to oppose mercury so we get so maybe that's part of that conversation that can happen. And then it squares uh, Mars and Aquarius, which is the ruler of this full moon too. So there's something behind this full moon that is about, you know, it's detached enough. It's got its eyes on the future, you know, it's, it's in the Aquarius space. Um, and so it can like, maybe it's not going to feel as it'll still be intense, but the drive towards it is going to be less so because we have, we're far enough away to be able to act in a, in a more, you know, um, charged space, uh, emotionally because we have that detachment of our actions within it or that higher perspective, um, to be able to push through whatever might be challenging or needs to erupt or come out or be spoken, um, there. So, yeah. Mm. Now we have more mercury action, right? So, all right. So we just had that. Uh, yeah. So Mercury sextiles that uh, Neptune, not the full moon. Uh, and then Mercury goes on to make lots of moves. So basically between so much Mercury, Mercury's doing the doing the deed this, this lunar season. Um, so what's going to happen is old Mer- messenger Mercury in Taurus is going to trine Pluto and Jupiter. So we're probably going to see some sort of relief or some sort of movement from the square that happened at the beginning of uh, the uh, new moon cycle. Um, So it's going to trine Pluto and Jupiter, square Mars, and then trine um, Saturn once it moves into, uh, does it move back into Gemini? Do I have that up here? What's going on? Mercury! What's going on? Are you playing tricks right now? Well, anyways, Mercury is making some moves between May 9th and, and May 12th. So I like this. I feel like that conversation just got started and now it's perpetuating into to new. What do you think? Right. Absolutely. I think absolutely. Like this, just like hearkening back to the square that the Mercury was making to all these planets. I feel like that was like, all right, we're trying to get this off the ground and this could be like really finally some ease of action or like, you know, just maybe the plans are finally coming together. We've made the, the necessary adjustments or something of that nature. And of course it's square Mars. So there's like a little inflammation and it's a little irritation and a little uh, still from the collective Mars and Aquarius. But mm. I don't know. I feel like the Mercury t- trine will be like much, it's kind of like, okay, we can seamlessly begin to bring this together. We can like piece these information, piece this information together to like make something contained and, and structured that'll be workable. I'm hoping it, yeah, because it's going to take all that heat from when when Mercury was in, you know, Aries squaring Pluto and Jupiter at, you know, April 24th through the to 28th, basically squared Saturn. It's got all these tensions came up with the messages or what was 
came in or what you're thinking about and having to like conquest through. And so now we see the trine to Pluto and Jupiter is like, all right, well, I got a stable plan. I've got a stable idea. Um, we can flow with this change that's happening. We can grow. We can, you know, uh, go there. Uh, square to Mars is going to just activate conversation further around these types of things, um, I think, which is interesting because that square to Mars uh, that happens is when, so basically, you know, they're at the tail end of fixed signs. So they're, you know, we're kind of getting critical, uh, critical disease zones. Why did I, critical degree, not disease of like, (laughs) as where my mind is, pandemic. Um, So there is some tension there with that Mars aspect around, you know, you know, Sunday, May 10th, Monday, May 11th. But what happens is that then Mercury moves into Gemini, into its own sign and trine Saturn, which I think is super good. (laughs) I love that. Thank God. I feel like that's really nice. It gets the message across to Pluto and Jupiter, maybe a little friction from Mars, but also, you know, energy from Mars at the same time. At least it's like, it's fanning the flames, it's getting things moving. And then beautiful that it goes into Gemini and it trines Saturn there. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. A little little structure, a little, like maybe a little better communication across the board. Yeah. (laughs) We could just have like a clear plan of what's next. Yeah. It's, it's clearer. It's able to stabilize. It's able to think about the future and get the plan in place and the mind is clearer. So, you know, we got through the confusion of Venus, uh, Neptune, at least, or that's starting to fade Mercury and Neptune on that full moon. And then, so we just give it a couple days after the full moon, because this is, this is cold and dry energy at this point, right? You know, we're stabling out, we've gotten through kind of the harder parts. Um, and, while this is all happening, so we know Mercury's making some moves, it's getting the message across and it's ending in a, a stabilization that we are feeling positive about. Uh, but in the meantime, we have the sun sextiling Neptune and Saturn is stationing. So here we have Mercury making the trine to Saturn basically as Saturn is stationing, um, but also as Venus is stationing and you know, and Mars is about to move into Pisces. So there's just so much movement that is happening uh, between May 9th and May 12th um, that I don't even know where we start with this, but just bookmark <laughs> that. <laughs> I've been writing horoscopes for these days, like recently, and I was like, what the hell? Like, oh, and Mars goes into Pisces the same day that we just, I was like, I don't even know what to say. Like, it just blows your mind because there's just so much alteration in the air this week. Yeah. Like, what? Um, yeah, and it's funny we haven't like totally escaped Neptune there. The sun is still kind of like reaching in, but it's the sextile, right? So there's kind of like a little bit of ease there um, yeah. as we kind of easily move away from the Neptune story, perhaps a little bit, or understand then, it too. You know, yes. because as the sun's like it shines a light on something, and then we're like consciously aware. So we, you know, Venus and Neptune was just, oh, I had that down. I don't know what's going on there. Mercury tapped in. It's like I think I know what's going on there. I'm feeling mm-hmm. my mind's on there, and now the sun's like, no, this is what's going on there. <laughs> Let me then, show you. And then Mercury now in a sign that it's its own sign. Um, and I will preface that where Mercury is making that trying to Saturn, now that I think about it, is around the point where we're going to have our next new moon. So we probably have precursors into the next lunar season with the, the trine as Saturn stations too. So just had to get that off my, my chest. Um, <laughs> so Saturn stationing, Venus yeah, stationing, all those. Right, so Saturn... Are we, they don't station on the same day, do they? Well, now, 
uh, Saturn stations on May 10th, which is going to be uh, a Sunday. And then two days later, Venus stations on the 12th, on Tuesday. And But, you know, stations take some time. They're, these are slow motion. We're feeling it up into the week beforehand. But these are the exact, you know, dates. Gotcha. Okay. So Saturn comes first then in this regard, right? So the retrograde of Saturn, right? Or the station of Saturn going retrograde is kind of like, I feel like it's a check on your current agenda. It's kind of like, okay, what's going on progress-wise that we need to kind of reevaluate? There may become some kind of like a little bit of frustration or kind of like restlessness with how things have been going. Um, And often I feel like Saturn retrogrades kind of symbolize like a little bit of an end. There tends to be some kind of like end for the sake of a beginning, I often find where you're kind of like, okay, we're kind of moving into a new space. Sometimes there can be like a loss or a separation or just a change altogether where it's like, okay, stopping this story for a bit, we have to kind of move into a new kind of direction. Um, but I feel like often station or Saturn being retrograde, people can get like pretty frustrated or there's like not a lot of forward movement on like projects that you were kind of like gung-ho about where you're like, I think I know how this is going. And especially when Jupiter goes retrograde, it's kind of like you can get real deflated about how you thought things were going to play out and then wound up not um, because there needed to be more reevaluation, right? So maybe like a little bit of frustration to navigate, um, you know, but you have to kind of in that, in that same like wavelength, just kind of go through the business at hand and figure out like what it is that you actually want to focus on. Um, letting things like run their course in a lot of ways, moving through their obstacles to kind of just get to what the core story is that's kind of driving this and, you know, move through your frustration, let it be slow, let it cut back, right? I feel like Saturn retrograde, you got to kind of like limit your agenda a little bit and be like, okay, this is how much I, I took on too much. I bit off more than I can chew maybe. And I need to kind of like Boop, boop, scale back. Mm, oh, I love that because here we have the frustration of Saturn retrograding and it might be frustration around almost as Mercury trines into Saturn and we got a plan and we're on this page and we see this future, but it's like, but hold on. That future's off in the distance, my friend. We need to stop. We need to go backwards. We need to go back into Capricorn. We've got to clean up business in another sign, in another area before we can even really push this Aquarius agenda forward. So we get that breadcrumb, we get that understanding, we get that hope maybe. And then it's like the the gears, like something gets put in the wheel, it goes, you know, and then now we have to go back in there. And that might be the frustration because we got to clean up the past. We got to clean up other areas of our life to move forward. Um, and that's really the, what the Saturn retrograde can help us do is kind of um, make peace with the past, rearrange things, deal with all that before we can start to put these new structures into place uh, when Saturn then stations direct. Um, so it might be frustrating in the moment uh, and you might come across, you know, the typical Saturnian obstacles that get in our way or put a little hand up and, you know, talk to the hand in some fashion, but it's only doing so because you need to go back in um, to reassess some things. And, you know, Venus is doing that. She's stationing too. So she's like, all right, well, you know, you need to get your mind on the same page with what you value now. What's going to bring you harmony? What do your relationships need? What needs to change in relating zones? Um, Because, you know, two days after that, we have Jupiter stationing too, which we're getting to. And so the forward plan moving forward um, is not, you know, it's going back too. So there's just, there's all this stuff that is kind of grinding to a halt 
um, to go within to do the work, which actually might be a relief because when you're pushing so forward on the outside world and life is just moving at these crazy speeds while not moving at all, uh, ironically enough, um, you know, we might be really happy to have some of this energy recede and go internalized uh, a bit. I think. Oh my God. Yes. I think so too. And I'm just realizing Mars moving into Pisces too. It's not like, that's not a, uh, <laughs> it's not like a gung-ho Mars. It's not like, yeah, Mars, which we have a ton of Mars and Aries coming down the pipeline, but like Mars and Pisces, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, like gung-ho about getting things out the door, or like really structured or you know, it's kind of like, what are we doing with our energy again? We're like potential dissipation, even with your energy. Yeah. And like, I think that's where this needs to go, right? Like Mars and Pisces kind of like getting, putting energy into kind of your more spiritual craft or getting into like what feels good, like just innately as like a spiritual being, you're like, what brings you joy? And I think Venus's retrograde is definitely going to like illuminate some of those topics a little more, depending on where your Gemini house is, right? Kind of getting into the, you know, because like I said earlier, like Mercury's not, you know, Mercury does the rationalizing with his kind of dance multiple times a year, but Venus doesn't come around that often to retrograde. Mm -hmm. And she's gonna, she has like a much more mysterious kind of like ethereal energy to unveil, I feel like. I don't know if you're ready to get into Venus retrograde or not, or how you feel about it. I, I do want to say something about that Mars ingress into Pisces, especially pairing with the fact that two days later, we have a last quarter in Aquarius and then Jupiter stations on the last quarter to go retrograde. So having our drive kind of diffused and spiritualized in a way that can have us cool our jets um, and maybe start to vacillate in different uh, ways that we do want to move forward. Because at the same time, you know, Pisces is ruled by Jupiter. And so here we have Mars that is looking to a dispositor that is about, that is stationing and going retrograde too. So the story is changing. The movement forward and the growth needs to be reassessed. Uh, and we have a little wind out of our sails, but in a good way because we can connect more, um, you know, with our intuition and move from a place of, uh, you know, move from a slower pace first off you know we're going to settle settle down a little bit more um and i think that's going to be a good thing because we can go within and use some of that you know pisces uh feel it out take its time you know move back and forth flow with whatever's going on rather than trying to like you know bust through the current in some way and so that's what i'm hoping is like having some of the wind knocked out of our sails is going to be a, a benefit uh, because yeah. if we are pushing forward, you know, it's going to be a relief because it's also going to break up the way the lunar progression is going with, you know, Jupiter and Pluto and Saturn and all that too. Um, so I'm, I'm totally, I mean, Pisces is my fifth house too. So I'll take, a, I'll take any planet over in Pisces, <laughs> giving me some, <laughs> some nice things there. Um, but this is all happening as Venus is stationing. And we preface that, the fact that that's really highlighting this whole Taurus season because the whole time the sun's looking to that. So did you have any additional thing you wanted to say about old Venus station and doing her thing? Oh, old Venus, you know. Well, right. She only comes around to a given sign every eight years. So it's good to, you know, well, the last time she was in Gemini was eight years ago. So it's helpful, I think, to kind of re, you know, Reacquaint yourself with your Gemini house and be like, okay, what's getting a visit? And it's interesting because often like when Venus retrogrades a, a, a certain house, it's kind of like the affairs of that house have been kind of unkept for a while or they may have been kind of like put on the back burner in a lot of ways. I was reading about that and I was like, that's interesting. Like, so you've got to kind of go back in and kind of 
you know, reassess what your values are, like in a, in a hard, cold sense with Venus um, and be like, okay, like I'm relearning. I haven't paid much attention to this house. Maybe I need to like give it more heart, give it more thought. Um, and like I said, it's not rational. It's a, it's a feeling like experience often with Venus retrograde. You don't even know what happened until a few months later. You're kind of like, whoa, unless there was like a direct correlation, you know, like a lot of dramas can sure like play out in your personal life. And I feel like the more kind of, kind of like discord or, or just kind of, you know, unrest that comes up within your personal life kind of just talks about how you're not aligned with, you know, what does you want to be doing or, or your kind of higher creative aspirations or your kind of core values, right? Like the more kind of chaos that Venus and Gemini winds up stirring up for you, the more you know that maybe you need a little bit of course correcting. Yes, that's wonderful advice. Wonderful advice. Because if you're out of harmony with yourself, this is the time where you mentally go back over what you value. And what you value might totally change in the state of the world that we're in now because we've had so much time with ourselves um, that you know we look at this pandemic as like a horrible thing that's happened. And granted, it on many scales it is, but it has given us, it has, have, has afforded us the opportunity to take this time and get on the same page with what we really want to build in life. Um, and what we want to build ideally should be aligned with our values. And those might have changed. And now it's time to get on the same page mentally. So I think that's great advice because if you are out of harmony and things are kind of blowing up and you're like, oh, then you, you know, I love the a great exercise is to write down what it, it, you know, and writing could be great for Venus and Gemini, right? She, maybe she just needs to get some things out. She just got to see it on a page and then it just looks different. But write down what it is you value and make that list super long. Like just go off, just be like, I value this bandit. It could be something big in life. It can be something super, you know, mundane. Like I like carrots and hummus, you know, <laughs> whatever. But then start, after you get that long list and it could be pages, start to pare that down. Go through that, start to cross certain things out, get it down, and then get it down to six things. I know. That sounds crazy, especially in Venus and Gemini, because it's like, you mean 12, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) Let's just double that number. Um, But no, I, I, I say this in the extreme version of that, because if you can get down, if you can pare that down, if you can get the Virgo side of you to come out and slash it down to six super important things, that doesn't mean the other things aren't important, but what is most valuable? And then start to structure your life around those things, because then you know, you're like, I'm doing myself a service every time I take steps towards whatever that mission is, because I know in my mind and in my heart that I value this and my life should be architected around these core values. And um, that leads us essentially, because the whole close to Taurus season is the sun trining Pluto and Jupiter in some sort of resolution or some sort of flow or stabilizing tangible aspect between May uh, 14th and May 17th. which is like a Wednesday through Friday. And so mm-hmm. I like that. I like, I like the way this ends um, with, a, with a hit of stability or understanding or something of, you know, what, I mean, what do you think, Mac, about any of those things I just said? Bail, you know, I jumped in there with different stuff, but... Oh, our internet is doing some funny things. Um. Give it a second. The idea that, because Jupiter stations, right, at this point. Yeah. And whenever Jupiter is going to station. Well, so the sun trine Pluto is, oh, sorry, I don't know exactly what day that is. 
Sun trine Pluto, I think, is the 14th. Uh, so basically, the Sun trines Pluto as Jupiter stations and right, then moves right. to a stationing Jupiter retrograde uh, a, a couple of days later. Right. And so Jupiter's station, right, it kind of like, kind of crunches back a little bit on the growth uh, or area of life that Capricorn's ruling for you, right? So there's kind of like this, um, whatever was kind of building up with enthusiasm or hope. And I've, this is what I found interesting about, at least in New York City, like, right, they're saying like May 14th, May 15th, the day of this station or that last quarter, um, there's around this kind of date. It's like, that's when Jupiter is kind of like, hold on, this enthusiasm may be like a little bit over the top. Um, and it's interesting because that station happens with that trine of the sun, right? So there's this kind of yeah. happy enthusiasm and excitement about like, oh, yay, I think we got this. I think things are finally going to look, oh, no. And then like, there's like this deflation when Jupiter starts kind of retrograding. And I've been wondering, like, could that be a feeling of hope return to like normal society met with the realization that we're kind of just not there yet? Mm-hmm. Um, and the trying to think, right, well, it'll be like the gradual incorporation of change, kind of letting it sleep in slowly, but potentially realizing that our enthusiasm for return to normalcy is kind of likely to be a little bit deflated um, because that station kind of, you know, it takes that expansive mood and it winds it down and it inverts the energy and it becomes that, it becomes a lot more clear that there needs to be more time um, to evolve the current projects. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like Jupiter's kind of like, hey, you thought you were going somewhere, but you're not. You're, uh, you're going there very slowly because that's, yes. those are great points because, I mean, we have to keep in mind too, and I love how you were, that we're not, it's not time. Is that a Capricorn <laughs> word or what? And so here we have this uh, Jupiter um, stationing retrograde uh, to go within, basically, um, in the sign of its fall. So, you know, it's not necessarily a strong Jupiter to begin with, and especially as the sun, because here's the trines, they're flowing, they're moving, but, you know, where's that energy flowing to? You know, these are not necessarily benefic or malefic aspects, just means things are flowing. And so I I love what you're saying about that, is that we might be gung-ho to get our freedom, but then the sun in Taurus is like trines into Pluto, the power in Jupiter, uh, you know, the... The, the powers plan of, uh, you know, how we're moving forward with this. And it, we are moving forward, but at a snail's pace. And so we might get some, our first taste of freedom here. We might see a little bit of relief, but it's not going to be that whole hog back in there. And, you know, com- commerce is going, you know, everybody's doing their thing. No, this is going to be a slower, a slow release, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, a, like if a, you took a pill that has like a, a a release of the the certain juices at different times. This is kind of what we're looking at here. But what I think we can say about this time is that we're going to be aware of what the plan is and the slow steps we're going to take. It might not be the the thing that we really want, like you say, like the full-on freedom that Jupiter's looking for because it just does not get that in Capricorn. There's other responsibilities. There's other, uh, you know, dynamics at play that are limiting the movement that can be done. But we are more aware of the changes that are being made. We're, we're aware of what needs to happen on the inside for us, we, and, but also what's happening on the outside. So I think it's a nice resolution to some extent, but it might not just be everything we were asking for. And it's just going to need more time. It's like Jupiter and Capricorn. That's like, uh, here, you can have a little as a treat. Like, it's like very much like, okay, you know, like you can, you can have some, uh, you can have the full Jupiter and Sag, you know, it's not like it's, it's Capricorn. So it was like, all right, I'll dole this out. You don't get a full touch- enchilada. You get a chip and some guac, you know, like that. Right. You, there's no. Enjoy. 
<laughs> yes. Enjoy what you have because uh, a little bit more is better than nothing at all. So exactly. that's, that's something we can say there. So now, all right. Well, we did, I think, a pretty good job at cover. I like what we went through there. I think we stayed hopeful, but realistic at the same time. And so would, do you have any uh, last bit of advice or anything you'd want to say about Taurus season as a whole or anything that comes up? Yeah, absolutely. I think more than ever, it's going to be pressing that we have like a little bit of nature. I think people are going to be like craving nature in the biggest way possible, especially like city dwellers. We're kind of like, ah, if you can find yourself, find yourself a little green patch of something. And hopefully if you live somewhere else where there's nature, just go outside, get your feet muddy. Who cares? Like pull, touch the grass. Like you need to feel nature again, right? You need to get into that physical body. To me, taking baths, like that's just my number one. It's not, I know Taurus is like earthy, but to me, I'm like, take a freaking bath like man we're in we just gotta just cleanse and be soft and pliable as we can in in the midst of all the chaos find physical movement i think is also going to be very important right we're kind of like sitting all the time and the Taurus season is going to be like okay you got to move the body again like how can you actively move the body without being too lazy right because it is Taurus. um getting into the body again, finding that inner peace, finding that inner stillness, I think is really going to be critical because Taurus really is about cultivating peace in a lot of ways. Uh, Making space internally, carving out space for peace, letting yourself feel your emotions, especially on that full moon in Scorpio. Be honest, be authentic. Tell your story. Don't get lost. You got this. (laughs) (laughs) tell your story don't get lost I love that oh I've been taking so many I'm not I haven't been a bath person but I tell you the last month I have been taking I know I've been (laughs) taking I have so many progressed planets in Leo let me just start um but it's I have been taking baths like almost every day like Epsom salt lavender baths and I love it I just ran out actually I need to I need to um venture to the store with my protective gear to get me some more relaxing yes. salt. Um, <laughs> so that, actually, yeah. that's a good way of looking at Taurus combined with the, the water element. You know, just put some bath salts in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Salt of the earth. Mineral. Uh, ar- aroma, aromatic. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel you. I'm already craving nature as it is. And I used to take park walks every day and our park is literally closed. There's a police person that's just waiting for you to be like, they see you, no, you can't go in there. Um, and that's hard because we need to connect with mother earth. I mean, we're part of it. We're not separate from it. We're part of it. Um, and reminding ourselves of that. Um, yeah. So I like that advice. So get it where you can. I know it might be harder in some areas and I know we all can't be there at the same time either because, um, you know, there's cell social distancing going on. So, uh, even if you put your feet, like, I like how you said, just find a grassy patch because you can just have one little patch, take your shoes off, put your feet on the ground and do what is known as earthing. Uh, and you'll feel all that tension and that anxiety and all that. You'll, if you like kind of open your mind, you're going to feel that release through your feet, almost like this energetic flow that just goes into the earth. And so just taking the time to do that for like 10, 15 minutes might be uh, mean a world of difference, especially when you're going through some more intense things or confusing or uncertain times. Um, So yeah, I love that. All right. Well, Mac, where can people find you? What do you got going on in pandemic world? What, what do we need to know? Pandemic world, you know, I'm busy. Come on over to Mac and the Zodiacs, M-A-C-K and the Zodiac.com. You can get yourself a little reading. We can talk life. We can talk pandemics. We can zoom it up and, you know, Venus and Gemini, this bad boy until it goes away. And just, you know, I'm just 
chatting about Astro. I'm taking it easy on myself too. So I'm not, I'm not cranking it out like you are right now. I'm so admiring of all the energy you're putting out there. It's wild. But no, so I'm basically just chilling. You can come and get a reading with me. I'm not doing anything wild, but uh, come hang, come visit MacInTheZodiac.com, babe. Yeah. Oh, I would, I, I wish Mac lived closer. I would, I would visit her all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mac in the Zodiac. And of course I'll put a, a little blog post up and some, even in some of the transits that we've talked about here too on the page. So you can revisit something visually of what we're talking about and, and get to Mac. Um, so where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. Um, and of course I do consultations as well. Um, and I have my Patreon on forecast, which I'm still doing. I haven't been pushing, um, you know, and, uh, I have, but I still do it. I do it every week. I love writing it. Um, you know, I have like my nice little group of patrons. I'd love to have some more. Uh, it's only $5 a month to hear me tell you about what's going on every week, every Sunday. So if you want to find out more about that, you can go to patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Uh, and I'm in the midst of the last week. We're going to be last week of doing our, um, astrology basics program and we've had so much fun uh so my new learning portal is at learningthestars.com um and uh i mean it's kind of you can still get the class if you want to do replays and then watch it back over but i am going to do more educational content moving forward so just maybe bookmark that if you're interested um so yes all those places now i haven't been on social media much lately because honestly i haven't had time for it and it's a lot and i know it's part of my business and I'm just making excuses for myself. But um, uh, maybe with Venus retrograde, I'll be like, all right, I'll be back. But you can find me at Energetic Principles on Instagram or Facebook. So uh, that being said, we have, uh, you know... If you like what you hear here today and you want Mac and I to be seen further, leave a nice review wherever you listen to this podcast, or I hope it's nice. Share it with friends. You know, people need to know what's going on in Taurus land. There's so much to uh, say, and we unpacked a lot here. Uh, so, you know, thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for listening. So, Mac, so, such a pleasure to have you back. I'm so happy, and I hope we reconvene sooner than later. <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me and happy two year anniversary to energetic principles. Yes. I can't believe it's been that long. I've been podcasting for, mm. well, all right. Well, that being said, I might, I'll, I'll get off this broadcast and go pat myself on the back, give myself a little treat there. <laughs> so thank you everyone for tuning in to hear us talk about Taurus season. We wish you all the best in uh, whatever you're going through in your own life. Um, and we're here for you. Uh, and as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.